We're continuing this morning looking at the Old Testament book of Isaiah, which, as I have said repeatedly, is a very long book, very long. And to make it more manageable, we're breaking it into some smaller sections to highlight themes in those sections. And so we've been looking at chapters 13 through 39 in January and February. And they ask the big question, is our trust in God or in man? Is our trust in God or in man? In chapters 13 through 23, Isaiah highlighted the sins of the nations, the futility of trusting in man and how all the other nations would fall before the God of Israel. But last week we saw that Israel or Judah was included in that. That they too had acted like all the other nations and were not trusting in God. But it makes you then ask, what about God were they supposed to trust? What about God were they supposed to trust? That He is real? That He is good? That He is powerful? Yes, but even more than that, They were supposed to trust that God is in control of all things and was working all things towards his promised good purposes. That in the big picture of the world, God has a plan. No matter his people's sin or suffering, God will accomplish that plan. And so this week, we are going to try and zoom out, as I did on Google Maps, take a higher level look, looking at the forest and less the trees to see God's big picture plan. And we're going to do that by looking at three chapters today, each chapter of which forms one part of the plan. And since we're looking at three whole chapters today, we're going to look at one chapter at a time. So let's pray and come before the Lord and look beginning in chapter 24 of Isaiah. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask, O God, that you would help us to hear your word. Give us ears to hear, for your word has been preserved for us, and it is true. It is your inspired word, and it is good for us. So, Lord, help me to proclaim your word. Help me, O God, to preach your word. Give us ears to hear. Give us minds and hearts that are open to receive your word this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking first at Isaiah chapter 24 today. Isaiah 24, you can find it on page 695 in the Pew Bibles. Hear the word of the Lord, part one of God's big picture plan, taking a high level look today. Beginning in verse one, behold, the Lord will empty the earth and make it desolate and he will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants and it shall be as with the people so with the priest. As with the slave, so with his master. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the creditor, so with the debtor. The earth shall be utterly empty and utterly plundered, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and withers. The world languishes and withers The highest people of the earth languish. The earth lies defiled under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. 
Therefore, a curse devours the earth, and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are scorched, and few men are left. The wine mourns, the vine languishes, all the merry-hearted sigh. The mirth of the tambourines is stilled. The noise of the jubilant has ceased. The mirth of the lyre is stilled. No more do they drink wine with singing. Strong drink is bitter to those who drink it. The wasted city is broken down. Every house is shut up so that none can enter. There is an outcry in the streets for lack of wine. All joy has grown dark. The gladness of the earth is banished. Desolation is left in the city. The gates are battered into ruins. For thus it shall be in the midst of the earth among the nations, as when an olive tree is beaten, as at, when, as at the gleaning when the grape harvest is done. They lift up their voices. They sing for joy over the majesty of the Lord. They shout from the west. Therefore in the east give glory to the Lord. In the coastlands of the sea give glory to the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. From the ends of the earth we hear songs of praise of glory to the righteous one. But I say, I waste away. I waste away. Woe is me. For the traitors have betrayed. With betrayal the traitors have betrayed. Terror and the pit and the snare are upon you, O inhabitants of the earth. He who flees at the sound of the terror shall fall into the pit, and he who climbs out of the pit shall be caught in the snare. For the windows of heaven are opened and the foundations of the earth tremble. The earth is utterly broken. The earth is split apart. The earth is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunken man. It sways like a hut. Its transgression lies heavy upon it. And it falls and will not rise again. On that day, the Lord will punish the host of heaven in heaven and the kings of the earth on the earth. They will be gathered together as prisoners in a pit. They will be shut up in a prison, and after many days, they will be punished. Then the moon will be confounded and the sun ashamed, for the Lord of hosts reigns on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and His glory will be before His elders. Amen. Chapter 24 is our first high-level look at this big picture of God's plan. And it shows us that God will justly judge the whole earth for sin. And he asks some very basic questions about what this judgment day is going to be like. First, he answers the question, who will be judged? In verses 1 through 5. And the answer is everyone will be judged. Isaiah takes verse 2 and he uses these contrasting pairs of people to show that, yes, the high and the low, the rich and the poor, all people will be judged on this judgment day. No one will escape it. The whole earth withers and languish under the judgment of God. But why will they be judged? Isaiah answers that second question saying, For they have transgressed the laws, they have violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. God will judge all people because of sin. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, all creation came under a curse, which Isaiah describes in verse 6 as something that devoured the earth. 
If sin is that which is opposed to God's law, then God must punish this sin. It is good for Him to do it. And yes, He is patient in doing it as our New Testament reading from 2 Peter 3 shows that God is patient in bringing this day that people would repent of their sin. But someday a day is coming when the proud cities will fall. The proud cities of of the pride of sinful man will fall. Isaiah answers this third question then. It can't be that bad, can it? Yes, I know that there's going to be judgment and, you know, it's judgment for sin, but it can't be that bad, can it? Verses 7 through 13 show the very opposite of a joyous party. The wine and music are over. There is no more joy. Instead of harvesting grapes, the people are the ones who are crushed and harvested in a judgment of God. But this day will be good for God's people. We see their praises begin in verses 14 and 15 as they rejoice for this coming day of judgment when God will set things right. For people who trust in God and His goodness, we long for the day of judgment because we know He will do it right. It will be terrifying, but it will be good. Isaiah closes chapter 24 answering a question, what if I, what if I just don't want that to happen? We can hear about God's judgment, that God is coming to judge the world for sin in every single person. And we could be like, I, what if I just don't want that? We would rather not have to face judgment day. Isaiah shows us we don't get to choose that. In verses 17 through 20, he shows there's no escape. He describes someone who runs away from the terror only to fall into a pit and climbs out of the pit only to be trapped into a net. That there is no getting away from the judgment of God. That God will fully judge the earth and bring to an end the heavens and the earth and reign forever. That is God's plan. Judgment day is coming. It will happen. And in the hustle and bustle of everyday life, We can lose sight of it. We can think like in the New Testament reading, the scoffers thought. Saying, what's changed in history? People live and they die. Other people live and they die. Why would anything change? If it is God's plan and He has promised it will happen, then it will happen. That things will change change when God justly judges the whole earth. And so that day is coming. And so the first part of God's big plan, a judgment day is coming, but then he shows us in chapter 25, this is a good thing. So hear the word of God from Isaiah chapter 25, beginning in verse 1, the good news of judgment day. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The foreigner's palace is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you for you have been a stronghold to the poor. A stronghold to the needy in his distress. A shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. 
for the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud, so the song of the ruthless is put down. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And He will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of His people He will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. And Moab shall be trampled down in his place as straw is trampled down in a dunghill. And he will spread out his hands in the midst of it as a swimmer spreads his hands out to swim. But the Lord will lay low his pompous pride together with the skill of his hands. And the high fortifications of his walls he will bring down, lay low, and cast to the ground, to the dust. The second part of God's big picture plan here in Isaiah, he wants to show the people, yes, this judgment day is coming. It is good news. It is good news for God's people. He starts that in the chapter by comparing strongholds. On the one hand, the peoples of the world built cities and systems to protect themselves. Those strongholds may be military power, political influence, They may be financial security. They are the things we trust to keep us safe. To keep life going the way we want it to. And those strongholds are compared, on the other hand, to God. The ultimate stronghold for His people. That God's people trust in Him. Though they be poor or humble in the eyes of the world, they have a security far stronger and deeper than the world has. While the systems and strongholds of the world may be useful now, on that great judgment day, they will prove useless. Only God Himself is a safe stronghold. Only He can be our salvation. And so for God's people on judgment day, if our stronghold is the Lord, it is good news. Because on this great day of judgment, the fullness of our salvation has come. We receive all of the good things promised And we lose all of the bad things that threaten us. There will be greater joy in feasting on that day than the world has ever seen. Being saved by God is to enjoy life with Him, like celebrating at this great party with family and friends. They describe this feast on the mountain of God. And on that day, on that mountain, the greatest enemy of humankind will be taken away forever. Death. Hear the hope of verses 7 and 8. Our little Easter hope here. 
And God will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach from his people he will take away from the earth. That is our hope. No more death. No more tears. No more sin. It is God making everything right. So that on that day, like verse 9, we will say, this is our God. We have waited for Him. And He has brought salvation to us. On that great judgment day, it will be the day we have been waiting for. The day when we will enjoy the fullness of salvation. When sin will be no more. When we will never be angry with ourselves for having sinned against God and our loved ones. Neither will there be sickness, sadness, grief, or death. For that kind of salvation to exist, God's enemies must be ultimately defeated. Isaiah seems to be using Moab as an example or a stand-in for all of the enemies of God's people. That God will trample His enemies, stomping them down as in a dung heap. And when they try to swim out of the dung heap, getting really gross here, he stomps them down even more and grinds them into dust. See, Christians are supposed to love our enemies and pray for their salvation. And we should do that. But the Bible is very clear that not all of them will be saved. Some will persist as God's enemies. Some will not. We could think of Ruth, who we looked at over the summer. She was a Moabite. And she came to trust in God. But it is good news that on Judgment Day, God will lay low His enemies. Isaiah holds out this hope before his people. He holds out this hope of Judgment Day that in the big picture, we are waiting for that crown to be in completion. It is the thing left in the big picture for us. We wait for Judgment Day, for this good day of the fullness of our salvation. But for Isaiah and for us, that day has not yet come. We still wait. So, how do we wait? Not all of us are great waiters. You know, as fast as the Chick-fil-A drive through line is, we still, you know, this is taking too long. Okay? We are not good at waiting for test results. We are not good at waiting for maturity in others around us. We struggle with waiting. And so Isaiah chapter 26 instructs us And says, in light of this big picture, how do we live? How do we wait? Here, Isaiah 26, beginning in verse 1. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. For He has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. He lays it low, lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. The foot tramples it. The feet of the poor the steps of the needy. 
The path of the righteous is level. You make level the way of the righteous. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. If favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. O Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let the fire for your adversaries consume them. O Lord, you will ordain peace for us. For you have indeed done for us all our works. O Lord, our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us, but your name alone we bring to remembrance. They are dead, they will not live. They are shades, they will not arise. To that end, you have visited them with destruction and wiped out all remembrance of them. But you have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have enlarged all the borders of the land. O Lord, in distress they sought you. They poured out a whispered prayer when your discipline was upon them. Like a pregnant woman who writhes and cries out in her pangs when she is near to giving birth, so were we because of you, O Lord. We were pregnant, we writhed, but we have given birth to wind. We have accomplished no deliverance in the earth. And the inhabitants of the world have not fallen. Your dead shall live. Their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. As we look at chapter 26, it helps us ask and answer, how do we live as God's people until Judgment Day? Having the picture, even on very pretty decorations like that, is not enough. The picture is meant to shape how we think, feel, speak, and act today and every day. If this judgment day is coming, how do we live with that big picture in mind? Yes, we need to figure out how am I going to be faithful at work tomorrow or with my family tomorrow, but bigger than that, how do we live with this big picture in mind? We do so with biblical hope. We tend to use the word hope to mean I wish, as in I wish... Or I hope it does not snow a lot this week. It's been really nice not shoveling the driveway, you know? Like, I hope it does not snow. But we have no guarantee of the weather. We have no certainty of that. We merely express, I would like, and it would be great if there were no snow this week. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is typically a noun. It is not wishing something. It is something we know is in our future for certain. And so Isaiah in verses 1 through 6 tells us trust that this future hope is ours. That this salvation is certainly ours. That we hold on to this hope and when we do, we have peace. Here's what he says in verse 3. You, that is God, keep him that is a believer. So you keep 
a believer. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. By trusting in God, we can have this peace so that no matter what happens, the big picture of that heavenly city to come is always there. Whether we are facing a frightening illness in our own bodies or in someone we love, whether we are struggling with our own sin, whether we feel like we don't have enough, Isaiah is saying that there's this big picture. There is this hope. It's yours. This cancer cannot stop it. This relational brokenness with a loved one cannot stop it. The poverty that we are in cannot stop it. The persistent sin that we keep asking for forgiveness of but can't quit is not stopping it. That is your hope. And it is not to be shaken. That is different from, I hope to get to heaven someday. It's different from, I want to go to heaven. With God's promises, we can confidently say to ourselves, because of what Jesus has done for me, I will certainly enjoy eternity with Him. That is my hope. It is secure. And when we have that big picture hope, we can prioritize what we are living for. Verses 8 and 9, O Lord, we wait for You. Your name and remembrance are the desire of my soul. My soul yearns for You in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks You. For when Your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. If our hope is in God, then we want God now too. We desire that forever kingdom, that crown to creep this way. We pray, Thy kingdom come. We yearn for that kingdom and we seek to live as Thy will be done. And when people live collectively in this way, the world gets a little foretaste of what that kingdom to come will be like. But we're not perfect. We don't always live earnestly desiring the Lord. The church, like the nation of Judah, often fails and loses sight of the big picture promise. We forget our hope and we live like people who don't trust in God. Our sin leads us astray. And when that happens, we are like, as Isaiah describes, a pregnant woman. I'm trying to imagine myself as a pregnant woman. Not working. Okay. All right. So like a pregnant woman writhing in pain, you're supposed to be giving birth to this new and exciting life. And instead, wind. All of the pains of this life And nothing to show for it. That's how we can feel. That yes, this hope is coming. And that's great. But we feel sometimes like we are living this life. And what is there to show for it? Are these promises even real? Jesus said He was coming back. He said 2,000 years ago, I am coming soon. And we can fool ourselves And doubt ourselves into thinking that these promises of eternal life and salvation are foolish wishes no different than I wish it doesn't snow this week. But God tells us differently. He tells us the big picture before it has even happened. He tells us that a day is coming when the dead shall live. 
when the bodies shall rise. He tells us that even if all of our efforts seem to come to wind and dust, the Lord will raise that dust. And like Job, we will see that our Redeemer lives with our very own eyes. And we can have that hope because we have seen it in Christ. That we will rise to new life as Christ who rose from the dead and conquered the grave, who has accomplished the big picture plan of God. For we know Jesus is coming to judge the living and the dead. That He is the one who raises the dead and is our hope of eternal life. And so Christians, we can dig into the Bible. Today in Sunday school, we were so deep into Revelation 11. I wasn't sure I was going to make it up here. That's how deep we were. But there are some times that we need to remember that there is a far bigger picture. It's simple enough to put on children's nursery in pictures. A day of judgment is coming. It is a good day because of Christ. Are we hoping for that day? Are we praying for that kingdom to come? Let us not lose sight of that big picture. Instead, let us trust in the God who can give us that perfect peace, knowing that it is certain and it is certainly coming, for He has spoken. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, we thank You for speaking this hope to us. It is the temptation of many of us to want to know the future. Is this going to turn out all right? Am I going to get better? Is so-and-so going to change? Is there hope for me? In Christ there is hope. Let us hold to that hope, O oh God. May we hold firmly on the hope and the promise You give to us of the fullness of our salvation in the day to come. May we long for that day and may we live even now in preparation for that day, O oh God. May we hear the call that judgment is coming and repent of our sins and trust in Christ knowing that we can stand in Him on that great day of judgment sitting at the banquet table